Ink and Quill illuminates on literature, culture and beyond. That's cool, isn't it? Listen to the sound of some incredible readings. The Great Wall story is the story of the relationship. The imagery in China is so strong. It's a book about the human story. Ink and Quill. Something provoking. We have to think like a queen. Something thoughtful. History's fantasy, really. Something fun. See some naughty people trying to steal panda cubs. All here on Ink and Quill. Discovering literature and following the stories behind your favorite authors. This is Ink and Quill. I'm your host, Yang Yong. According to a survey on national reading habits released in April by the Chinese Academy of Press and Publishing, Chinese adults read an average of 7.78 books last year, a slight decline compared with the average 7.86 books in 2016. The survey also found that among some 14,000 adult readers the researchers interviewed, Almost 40% of them were not satisfied with the amount of books they consume. Many admit that their time for reading has been shrinking due to other attention-grabbing addictions like social media, video game apps, or online shopping sites. Though the survey may not indicate a viable tendency, and the statistics could fluctuate next year, these findings still send an alarming signal to the publishing industry that a fall-off in reading is imminent. So, in today's program, we'll examine some of the innovative technologies and ideas that publishers are applying to hold the attention of readers for longer. Don't go away. Gave rise to jazz, art, and literature. During World War II, one and a half million African Americans gave their service. Dear listeners, listen to this piece of narration carefully. Does it sound like a short clip that comes from a movie or a video game? In fact, this is a part of a comic book titled "Masters of the Sun: The Zombie Chronicles." An non-inspiring project that wraps a graphic novel, hip-hop music, and augmented reality elements all into one. So, whenever you open the book, you can read every page through a specific app installed on the digital device. On the screen, all images come alive, whereas speech bubbles and special effects pop up, accompanied by catchy rhymes and flow. You see, to a great extent, these technologies make reading fun, as the brainchild of Marvel Comics and American hip-hop group the Black Eyed Peas. This comic book overlays animated images over static backgrounds, which delivers a wonderful experience for readers. This is Gerald Tsai, business partner and co-founder of MXRI, a Singaporean company that provides augmented reality and visual reality services. 
during his speech at the recently concluded Story Drive, an annual international forum held in Beijing that enables content owners to innovate and grow their business. This tech visionary claimed that though some traditional publishers are still skeptical about the prospect of these new technologies, AR and VR have the potential to redefine the book trade like Kindle once did. Whenever a new technology comes out, the entertainment industry is usually the first to react before the gaming sector lays their hands on it. The publishing industry is always reluctant to make the move. If you have ever heard about Gartner, you would recognize it as one of the world's leading advisory companies that provide annual reports on emerging technologies. According to their latest analysis, AR and VR technologies have already become democratized. As a result, I reckon that in the next two to three years, you will witness an increased number of apps and digital solutions that introduce AR to printed books. From a textbook that teaches children to play football by showcasing the movements of 3D avatars, to I Dinosaur, a nonfiction that brings those long-gone creatures rolling back to life, it seems that those magical moving pictures, as depicted in the Harry Potter franchise, are no longer just a fantasy. According to Jared Tsai, so far his company has cooperated with nearly 140 Chinese publishing houses. Why do all those publishers want a piece of the action? First of all, the technologies increase engagement and interaction. Secondly, AR books can generate excitement, improve understanding, and enhance storytelling. Frankly speaking, AR technology wasn't born yesterday. The reason why it didn't prevail years ago is due to the high cost of building 3D models and maintaining them. But now things are finally looking up. Yes, the future of AR books looks peachy and promising. But there are also some inconveniences about AR books that Tsai failed to mention in his speech. For example, to get the whole package of experience, readers have to equip themselves with a printed book as well as a smartphone or a digital tablet with cameras. As some readers complain, it can be a rather tricky thing to do when trying to prop a thick book open with just one hand while holding a tablet in an appropriate position with the other. Moreover, people can easily grow weary of using certain apps to read every single page of a book. Adults can easily get tired of these AR books, let alone children. Regardless, innovators are trying other means to encourage readers to stick around. Ren Hui is the founder and CEO of Ela Book, an e-book reading platform for children aged three to twelve. For years, the firm has tried to develop a new form of reading medium that could bridge traditional books with cartoons. There are two types of digital children's books. One is the kind of e-book that kids read on Kindle. As you know, as an e-reader, Kindle reserves the traditional reading experience to the greatest extent. It's cheap, portable, and has vast storage. The only downside is that the limitation of electronic ink makes all the books on Kindle, even the illustrated ones, dull in color. Another type of digital children's book is what we call the gaming model books, in which developers use games and animations to draw children's attention. 
No need to ask; they are far more interesting. But charging customers for eight to sixteen U.S. dollars each—they're just way too expensive. And the cost of developing these books can jump to hundreds of thousands of U.S. dollars. Both types of digital books are not good enough to cultivate young children's reading habits. So we've tried to find a solution to tackle these problems. 最好的高电影礼貌都是在这里制作的。Just like Kindle, the e-book app allows readers to purchase and download e-books from their online store. But unlike Kindle, that might appear to be too clunky and untrendy, the animated books this new app provides have almost every hip element that today's touchscreen generation loves, including voiceovers, animations, and interactive games. Moreover, as young readers glide their fingers across the screen, the app will let out a turning page sound effect, imitating the experience of flicking through an actual book. As Ren further explains, the purpose of the app is not to showcase the dazzling technical advancements, but to draw attention and help young readers to digest the content. All the technology is for content. All the technologies and special effects are merely tools. The design of them should correspond to the content of each book. One of our key principles is to not change the original manuscripts. We have no desire in transforming a digital book into a cartoon or game. Our animation book is still a book, but a book with more up-to-date functions. Why did we design that sound of turning pages in our app? Because we realized that a simple act of flipping pages gives children time to think. Well. If both the AR and animation books are still considered novices in the war for attention, then audiobooks are no doubt the veteran on the battlefield. Welcome to the medical bay. Oh, hi. Who are you? Baxter, communications officer and part-time bartender. Michael Trotler is the senior vice president, international content and publishing division at Audible, a subsidiary of Amazon and the world's largest producer of digital audiobooks. In his eyes, audiobooks, audio dramas, and podcasts are gaining new audiences around the globe every year, since these spoken word formats can free people's minds when their hands and eyes are busy. Time is getting more scarce and more scarce, and people have an ever more、uh, growing opportunity to actually spend their time on media, visual.、Uh, then you still have that beautiful niche where your eyes are busy, so you can't read or you can't watch Netflix or other services. And this, where audio, I think, is a medium which sees a renaissance, which it has today, on that、uh, on that behalf. Because we have a very different usage scenario than the other media types we actually compete for time with. A recent survey conducted by the Chinese Academy of Press and Publishing also finds audiobooks increasingly popular in the country. An important substitute for old-fashioned reading, audiobooks enjoy a higher-than-average appeal among teenagers. With almost 30% of 14 to 17-year-olds listening to at least one audiobook a year, compared to 22% of adults who admit they have the habit of doing so. Yet, unlike their Western counterparts, who could insouciantly listen to an audiobook that lasts for 10 hours or even longer, Chinese listeners are squeezing their time for a shortcut.
director of the literary editing office of Shanghai Translation Publishing House, Huang Yunying is also a staff writer for a pay-for-play mobile application called Dedao. Her task: breaking down classical foreign literature and then reconstructing an audio that may present the profoundness of the original texts in simple, easily absorbable forms. 既然用游戏来做比喻呢，那么我们就知道，游戏的玩家往往喜欢分享攻略。If we use the gaming world as a metaphor, I tend to think what I'm doing is similar. Gamers share strategies and tips for free, but for me, I charge for offering tips in reading. Personally, I think subscribers who pay for this kind of service are those enthusiastic about learning while paying great attention to the practicality of knowledge. However, as paying for knowledge has become a cultural norm, an increasing number of people feed on digestible, fragmented audio productions. Does this kind of paid subscription encourage inertia and make people unlikely to hoover up the information that they are supposed to mine from reading an actual book? Huang begs to disagree. Classical literature and stories are like some time-honored, lofty museums. They can be rather complicated and obscure, so our interpretation paves way for readers. We draw maps for them, but they still need to read the original books to truly grasp the essence. But as many publishers and content providers are drawing support from innovative techniques and ideas to compete in today's attention economy, some go back to the golden rule of publishing: that good content holds the real power of pulling people in. Huang Yikun is the president of Jianshu Copyright Center, a Chinese equivalent of Wattpad. Just like many other story-sharing apps, Jianshu acts as an online self-publishing literary platform that allows writers wannabes to publish their stories. So far, Jianshu is still a small startup, but the scale of our users' writing enthusiasm is quite stunning. The statistics show that we have 2.2 million daily active users and 42 million monthly active users. Every two seconds, a new original story is published. More than 50,000 new articles are uploaded on a daily basis. On one hand, we allow users to interact, comment, and send kudos to each other like usual online literary platforms do. On the other hand, we provide professional, effective, and flexible services to writers and help them to discover their potential. We find talents who are neglected by book scouters of traditional publishing houses, such as housewives and the unemployed. Unlike Wattpad, which mainly focuses on fan fiction, we embrace a wide range of literary genres, including nonfiction. Though some industry insiders bemoan that reading has been going down in the digital area and the death of the book is inevitable, Huang argues that this sentiment is greatly exaggerating the apocalyptic future of reading. In his eyes, as a medium, a book will never lose its power of luring all of us, but traditional publishers might. China is hailed as the world's second-largest book market. In the years to come, I am confident it will grow into the largest around the world. But I am sure that that goal will not be achieved by traditional publishers. Snippets of timeless classics with ramblings on everything bookish, ink and quill connects you with literature, culture, and writers in China and around the globe.
bestseller, smash hit, Page Turner. Ink and Quill delves into the very heart of the works that make us laugh, cry and sigh. Welcome back. You are listening to Ink and Quill with Yang Yong. The nuances of different language dialects have been an inexhaustible source of inspiration for many writers. However, due to geographic limitations and lack of fluency, novels narrated in specific dialects have difficulty reaching a wider audience. But Blossoms, or better known Chinese as Fanhua, a novel full of Shanghai dialect, has gained popularity nationwide and won several literary awards. To find out why, let's go to Liu Ming for more. Using various dialects in literature is a common phenomenon. The Singsong Girls of Shanghai, or Hai Shang Hua Lie Zhuan, is China's first dialectical fiction. The heavy use of Shanghai dialect in the novel not only captures the mood and ambience of China in the late 19th century, but also endows the work a sense of authenticity and regional flavor. Its uniqueness even promoted directors to make a film adaptation of the book. However, since Shanghai dialect is not mutually intelligible with other varieties of Chinese, and the government has chosen Mandarin as Chinese mainland's official language, fiction written in this distinctively southern dialect have gradually disappeared since 1950. Jin Yucheng, a native Shanghainese and senior editor for the magazine Shanghai Literature, is determined to rejuvenate his mother tongue. Things just happen by chance. I have a friend who always posted topics in an online forum, and he asked me to check them. The website is dedicated to Shanghainese, and people post about everything in the Shanghai dialect. I think I can pin down the lives of common people living in Shanghai on the website as well. Every day, Jin Yucheng posted 100 to 200 words entries to the website, written in Shanghai dialect. Jin's posts recorded real people and real events he has witnessed or heard from friends. Gradually, since his posts became popular, Jin decided to adapt them into a 350,000-word novel entitled *Blossoms*, or in Chinese, *Fanhua*. 北迪的爸爸有一天从二舅手里带回一只兔子。北迪开心，绍兴也不不开心，因为供应紧张，小菜。Depicting chores and trifles of urban life, such as grocery shopping and hosting a dinner party, Blossoms provides a vivid image of the daily life of ordinary Shanghai people. Focusing on a hundred characters and several main ones, the whole story is carried out over two timelines: from the 1960s to the mid 1970s, the end of the Cultural Revolution, and from the 1980s to the start of the 21st century. As the two time periods alternate, the book unveils the two faces of the city: the Shanghai of old and the modernized metropolis it is today. Impassioned plots or dramatic moments are lost inside the book. 
heroes and villains disappear as well. Merely following the street life of every man, the author digs into the national character of China and the thrilling changes that have happened in the country during the past forty years. The profundity of the novel helped it win Shunai An Literature Prize, one of the top literary awards in China for saga novels. Blossoms is also named as the country's top work of fiction by the China Academy of Fiction. Talking about the success of Blossoms, Jin emphasizes that novelists should not dramatize or summarize their works. Instead, everything should be kept simple. In terms of the essence of writing novels, everyone was telling stories in the beginning, right? But after writing numerous novels, we start to believe that writing is an important matter, or in other words, a noble and a high-end thing to do. But actually, if we could get back to the initial purpose of writing about life, that would be really nice. Without any psychological description to portray these characters. Xin narrated the story by using short sentences and dialogue without any quotation marks, which may remind his reader of traditional folk literature from ancient China. Moreover, in order to shatter the linguistic limitations of the Shanghai dialect, Xin adjusted language to be more fluent and understandable for readers living outside Shanghai. It took great energy to transform the language. First of all, I had to remove all the anomatopoeias or words void of sense in the Shanghai dialect. Since people read novels word by word, I needed to get rid of those characters with different definitions. Many words have been removed. I will take out words and sentences that are too confusing for northerners to understand. Mao Jian, a writer and film critic living in Shanghai, compliments Jin's restructuring of the Shanghai dialect. Blossoms is no longer a novel about Shanghai nor a worksite in Shanghai. Its cultural influence could radiate to a broader range. Inside the book, Jin also added dozens of illustrations and maps drew all by himself. Doing so, he hopes readers around the country could get a better understanding of the real Shanghai. Liu Ming introducing us to Chinese author Jin Yucheng's bestseller *Blossoms*, or in Chinese *Fanhua*. Written in the Shanghai dialect, the book is hailed by many critics as one of the best novels set in Shanghai, paralleling with some of the greatest writings of the famous writer Ailing Chang. Well, if you find it difficult to understand the nuances and quirks of this unusual novel, no worries. From June 21st to 24th, a namesake stage adaptation will grace the Beijing Tianqiao Performing Arts Center. So, if you happen to be in the town around that time, don't miss out. 
on that note, it's time to wrap up today's program. Don't forget that there are always interesting things taking place in the literary world. As such, we always do our best to try to keep you posted and updated. To learn more about us, follow us on our Facebook account, China Plus, or simply download the podcast by searching the keyword "Ink and Quill" on iTunes. Thank you for joining us. I'm Yang Yong. Talk to you again next week.